can't trip off the flow, man. Some neighbors were saying way too loud. Welcome in, everybody, and we are back for season two of everybody. I didn't think we'd make it. Yeah. Everybody's favorite NASCAR podcast, the Loose Lug Nuts podcast. I'm Evan Roberts, joined alongside Thomas Dick, and here we are, year two. We got a jam-packed episode to get everybody going. Yeah, pretty exciting times. We were, uh, we've reached out. We've gotten some good uh, feedback from some uh, important people, so we'll be bringing you a lot more interviews, I think, this year. But then just our, our, our knowledge that we bring to the average fan. You know, us average fans talking to other average fans, uh, breaking it down so you can uh, get it from a non-nerd perspective. And it's it's weird, too, because it's the longest season among all professional sports. And then it just feels like there's no real off season. you know? No, it was that that time went really quick and yours was filled with basketball, still filled with basketball. Mine was filled with. Uh, episodes of Cagney and Lacey and Hogan's Heroes. Um, but here we are. Yeah, so we will preview the Clash, uh, the new race that uh, NASCAR is trying out at the LA Coliseum. But first, uh, we had a great interview with uh, Jade Buford. Uh, Jade's a uh, Xfinity driver. We're able to talk to him. He uh, was also an American Ninja Warrior a couple times. Yeah, and where did he go to school? Just uh, the Harvard of the South, Auburn University. <laughs> Harvard of the South, Auburn. Yeah, I I mentioned it in the uh, interview, but I when you look at Xfinity teams from last year, I, I think they can make the most improvement next uh, coming into this year. And I think, I mean, they'll challenge for a playoff spot, and he's not shy about saying that's his goal. So uh, I'll let you set it up. Yeah, so here it is, our conversation with Jade Buford, uh, Xfinity driver. All right, we now welcome on a very special guest and driver of the number 48 Big Machine Vodka Spike Cooler Chevrolet in the NASCAR Xfinity Series, Jade Buford. Jade, thanks for joining us. Hey, thank you for having me. Uh, It's well documented, like last year, like Big Machine Racing pretty much came together Mm -hmm. in January, so you're like 13 uh months old uh just talk about the whirlwind year you had basically starting a team from scratch and then you didn't have much uh uh, oval experience just talk about that year yeah it was a pretty crazy year for the entire team like you said uh that the idea of even starting our own team didn't come till about christmas time and at, at that point in time it was just myself patrick and our team owner scott um that was the entire team and Within a month and a half, everything kind of came together and they, they did pretty much nonstop work just to get a car there at Daytona. And then we had 33 more races, 32 more races to go on to after that. So, and with my background of not having a ton of oval experience coming into it, there were definitely a lot of unknowns for the entire team, what to, what to expect and I think as a overall, I think we achieved those expectations that we kind of all set for ourselves at the start of last year. And we have uh, a lot of more new expectations for this upcoming year. What do you, what do you guys think the biggest improvement was from starting at Daytona and then ending in Phoenix? Uh, just learning to communicate. Communication in NASCAR versus sports car racing is 
so much more important. It's important in sports cars, but when you get to NASCAR from uh, giving feedback to your crew chief to getting uh, notes from your spotter, uh, everything revolves kind of around communication, even, even in between races. Okay, what happened this time? What can we do to fix that? And working through all those things, I think, is something that we've spent a lot of time in the off season really trying to nail down so we can minimize confusion. If I say this, that means that, and vice versa. If my spotter says this, this is exactly what he means, and it paints a much clearer picture going into this year. Um, we as a podcast, we have very few enemies. We love everyone. But one enemy we have is a guy we refer to as Toyota, uh, Toyota Racing Development Guy. <laughs> and last year, he just mentioned that he thought they were proving that you could put on a good product without practice. And every driver we talked to pretty much said that and uh, disagreed. Just talk about your perspective as a guy that, like, you didn't have any time in the vehicles except for at, at some road courses. Just talk about how important practice would be for you. Yeah, uh, I think going in this year, it's extremely important. I think with the amount of practice, uh, there, it, it doesn't, it, practice isn't going to be everything. The, like the sim work that all the teams started doing when the pandemic started, I think is all going to still be extremely important because if you unload a car off the hauler that isn't competitive, the amount of time we're getting for practice, uh, there's no time to make any big changes. If you unload a car that's slow, you're, you're going to have a rough weekend. And I think that's uh, pretty cut and dry. Uh, so I still think practice is the fact that we're getting some is great, but it's not going to, if we, if we had this practice last year, I don't think it would have changed too much overall. It would have given me a, a look at the track, but that that's it. Where last year, every time we took the green flag, that was my first look at the track. It would have taken some of that out of the air, but if we were gonna, if we were off on setup, we would have been stuck with it either way. Yeah, you know, multiple drivers have referenced how like their weekends would just get off to a really bad start if they had bad data in the simulations. Did you have any races where you said like, "Well, this is nothing like what the simulator was"? And how much or how long into a race did it really take to get the bearing straight? Uh, that'll be something we kind of have to learn this year. So far, it's been extremely accurate. We use simulation for Phoenix, uh, Phoenix 2 last year, the championship race for the first time. And it, it pretty much directly correlated. In the sim, we were a little too free off corner exit. And in real life, we were a little too free off corner exit. And that was kind of our struggle. Uh, so that will be something we have to kind of gauge this year as we go from track to track to track and see if it, if it directly correlates, great. If it's a little off, I still think we'll be in better shape than when we were last year. Where, uh, we only had simulation for one race last year. The rest of the race, uh, Patrick would do the best he could at pinpointing what he thinks is gonna work. And I would do the best I could of going out there and trying to figure it all out. So are you a fan of the simulation then? Yeah, I, I, I am. Uh, I think overall, uh, versus the old way of teams going out and practicing or testing privately for 30 days a year. Uh, it's probably a little bit more cost effective. Yeah. Uh, you referenced getting uh, some advice from Austin Sindrick. Um, mm -hmm. Just talk about that relationship. And were there any other drivers you can lean on uh, last year to help you learn? 
Yeah, uh, Austin and I go way back uh, when he was 16. Uh, we were teammates at Multimatic Motorsports. We ran sports cars together. And he, that was his first year ever racing sports cars. So uh, the shoe was kind of on the other foot. I was kind of helping him getting the sports car racing and kind of how to manage his tires. Now coming me coming to NASCAR and him moving to the Cup Series, the shoe is definitely on the other foot. He kind of helped me expect know to know what to expect and what to really take care of and what to really focus on and kind of what to work on. He was a big help uh, last year make and helping me not make any really stupid mistakes. You know, when we look at all the teams returning from last year, it seems like big machines going to be the one that has the best chance to really take a step up and improve. Uh, what are your guys' goals and expectations heading into the new season? Uh, I think we all have our own expectations. Personally, for me, I would love to make the playoffs. Uh, I think a team as a whole, if we can finish in the top 15 in points, uh, I think everybody would be really happy. But uh, I, I personally, where I think I'm at as a driver in my learning curve, I think the playoffs is definitely doable. And then wherever we end up after that, uh, I, I don't know. Uh, but that's my first impression goal whether it be a win or do it by points try to strategize to make it either way uh, but I certainly think there's some races where I'm like if we're not one of the best cars then I don't know what we're doing uh, because as as far as I know I'm the only driver in the NASCAR paddock that's probably been to Portland so we should get off on a good foot there and every road course uh, I feel we go to we should be more than competitive I think everybody pretty much agrees last year's equipment that we were in was kind of mid-pack-ish. And th there were several times, like, out of the five times we got to qualify, we qualified inside the top 15 three out of five times. And uh, at Nashville, ninth, at Road America, 10th. And, and so it's definitely, at, for the amount that we're moving our program forward and advancing it, I think we can definitely contend to be in playoffs and that's kind of my expectations and it's where I hope to be at the end of this year. We talked a little bit about how whirlwind last year was. How important was this November, December, January, as far as taking everything you learned and having some time to process it and improve from it? Oh, it was really important. Been practicing all through the off months and kind of just getting going through back and through each each race and like what I struggled with, what the car struggled with, what I want to be able to do. And now that we're going into simulation, it's a good time for us all to work through those things. This is what I felt in real life. This is what I thought would, what, what I think will help me as a driver do the things we now know I need to be able to do on the track. And having that time to sit down with the crew chief and let him, you know, like he can watch it all. It's not like he's watching me from pit road go by on front stretch he can watch every input and see what i'm doing and also use his own experience to be like okay i think i know something that's going to help you be able to do what we know we're going to have to do throughout the race as as the race goes on so it's been how, extremely important how important was it enhancing that the relationship you guys have with richard childress racing uh it is very important uh so far with RCR, it's been great. They've been treating us like family and making sure that we get very well taken care of. 
uh, opened up a lot of opportunities for facility, moved all the resources much closer for the team so they're not scrambling all over town trying to find parts. Um, so it makes everybody's day-to-day -day lives easier. And I do believe it's going to make our program much more competitive every Saturday. Um, going back into your origin story, sort of, when you were doing sports car racing, was NASCAR ever like on your radar? Or is that just something you thought it was too different of a, a genre of racing? No, it's something I always wanted to do. It was just a matter of how do I get the opportunity to do it? Uh, for the years in sports car racing, most of them I spent with Ford Performance. And I talked to them several times about, I, I would love the chance to do a road course race for probably Xfinity. And they, they were straight up with me. They're like, all, all the road courses races are probably the hardest ones to get into because all the cup drivers want more practice time. So they'll take all the seats. And, and so that opportunity never came up while I was there. Uh, it was never something that was really feasible uh, until I met Scott, who um, I think he had some ambitions of doing it, doing some Xfinity racing on his own. Uh, and he decided to give that opportunity to me while we were working together. So you're one of my favorites because you're an Auburn grad uh, like myself. Mm -hmm. What made you uh, want to go there? And do you think you'll celebrate your first victory at Skybar? <laughs> uh, my, my sister went there so I went to the campus all the time and I, I just fell in love with the school I wanted to go there yeah. uh, wasn't too far from home and it, it was a great college like it was awesome like, you, you know uh, the town is awesome so uh, I just I, I love to be there I fell in love with it when I first went to visit so it was some great years in my life and then, uh, so you're known as a rock climber and you've appeared on American Ninja Warrior. So two-part question, uh, what's been your favorite mountain to climb and what was that experience like to be on uh, Ninja Warrior? Uh, a few years back, I spent three weeks just kind of living in Estes Park and I went to Rocky Mountain National Park every day and would just literally go to the top to uh, Bear Lake and Emerald Lake and I'd go bouldering every day. And that was probably, it was very very beautiful and it was a pretty awesome trip uh so i love going climbing in colorado it's definitely my favorite destination uh as for uh, american ninja warrior uh it's been a great part of my life and it's been an awesome experience every time i get the chance to do it um, the, there's actually like a lot of correlation between american ninja warrior and racing the camaraderie the com at the same time it's still a competition um so it's something in that I feel like it's not too different than walking into a racing paddock when I get the opportunity to go to that show. And it's very cool to see every time. Do you plan on doing it again soon? Uh, I'd hope so. Uh, uh, I don't know. If working around my schedule is the most difficult thing okay. about that. <laughs> uh, but I, if I ever get the opportunity to do it again, I'd love to do it. Yeah. Uh, shameless uh, sponsor plug time. What's the best flavor of a uh, big machine vodka spike cooler? Uh, so tropical is my favorite when it comes to the regular spike coolers. If you go double spiked, uh, coconut is definitely uh -huh. uh, my favorite. Now uh, we like to, when we have a connection, uh, so we would like you to talk to big machine vodka and get it in uh, Brian college station. Cause we don't have it here. I looked yeah. it up. 
we got to drive all the way to Fort Worth to get it. So since we now know people that know people, I'm confident <laughs> we'll have it in College Station here soon. I'm sure I could talk to somebody that could send some over. We'll even shotgun one before every episode. You know? <laughs> hey, hey, careful with the double spikes. <laughs> <laughs> well, Jade, that's all we got for you. Really appreciate you uh, taking the time. Best of luck this year. Uh, you got two uh, really good fans winning us, so we're, we'll be rooting for you loud this year. Thank you so much, guys. Thank you. Again, we appreciate uh, Jade for coming on and taking the time with us. Uh, really good interview. Uh, kind of short, though. We, yeah. uh, I mean, we <laughs> asked all of our questions. We were kind of worried about time because you just never know, but it was a really good interview. Uh, and he's got uh, some fans now. Yeah, I feel like I was talking faster than I normally do. I don't know. It's because I thought he might be in a time crunch. So um, yeah. God, my glasses are crooked. You can't see it. And But anyhow, yeah, I thought he might be time crunch. So I was talking pretty fast. I probably should have slowed down. I the one thing I took away, he also thinks they should practice, but he put a lot more uh, weight into the the simulations than most of the others we have talked yeah. to, which I found surprising as a guy who hasn't been on ovals much, but uh he really liked the simulations and he was very realistic about the cost saving uh, yeah. that it provided. So, and like you, well, we mentioned in the uh, leading up to the interview, I thought it was pretty interesting that he, you know, he's not shy about talking about how they want to make the playoffs. They want to do this. And um, the other thing too, I kind of hoping we get some uh, spiked lemonade. Yeah. Um, we pressed him on it. You know, we'll, uh, We'll talk to their social media people too, you know, we'll get them in on the loop. Cause like I said, you, you it, if you're listening, a lot of our people listen from Texas, you can't find a uh, big machine vodka in uh, central Texas. You either have to go to Houston or Fort Worth, not even Dallas, uh, yeah. just Fort Worth. So big machine vodka, I know you'll be listening. Cause you guys talking, get us some, you know, we want to drink your product. We're, uh, yeah. you know, I don't tipple the bottle as much as I used to, but you know, if I get something good, I'll drink it. And just cause I know my mom and dad are listening. Uh, I don't drink. So <laughs> no, never. So appreciate Jade for coming on. As uh, you mentioned too, we're hoping to get more guests, getting a couple lined up. I think the interviews are really what uh, people like listening to getting different insights from different people, not just necessarily uh, the drivers. So throughout this season, we'll be hoping to get, uh, more interviews for you guys but the reason why we're here we got our first quote-unquote race of the season doesn't count towards points or anything but we got the clash the feature race is on sunday at 6 p.m eastern 5 p.m in god's country it'll be televised on fox radio on the motor racing uh network and the big thing this will be held at the la coliseum it's a quarter mile of a track most guys haven't raced uh stock cars uh at a track this short uh, but the big thing, and you'll see it a hundred times, I'm sure, on the broadcast, is how they transformed uh, a football field into a race car track. Yeah, and this is, uh, I mean, the last time they did it at an NFL stadium, I want to say, was the 40s at Soldier Field. Um, they've done some, uh, I want to say, wheeling uh, stuff at Wake Forest Old Football Stadium. Um, so this... I, like I checked it out, like the shortest ARCA race is like 0.385 miles. And the shortest wheel and modified is uh, 0.3, one third of a mile. Um, 
the one was Elko track, uh, but so not a lot of experience in a stock car of this type. Um, so yeah. everyone's yeah. new and the car's new. So even if you did drive, you're still in a new car. So a lot of newness. So that, I don't know if that evens a playing field or doesn't even yeah. a playing field. Well, we got practice on Saturday at 1230 Eastern. That'll be on Fox Sports 2. And then single car qualifying is Saturday at 830 p.m. Eastern. That'll be on Fox Sports 1. Heat and qualifiers are Sunday at 3 p.m. on Fox. And again, the feature race is at 6 p.m. 36 drivers are entered. And then the field will be whittled down to 23 drivers for the feature event. Uh, no real shockers in the field. All 36 charters are in. Um, but nobody decided to vie for the other four available spots. Yeah, I'm not. I'm guessing it's because the teams don't want to ruin a car in a non-points race. Would be my guess. You know, I'm not in. Uh, you know, my only experience in this is watching the crew, which we didn't get a season two because that effing Sean Payton movie. Um, but so the uh, on Saturday there will be practice and then single call qualifying to determine the starting order for the four scheduled heat races. Um, and so on Sunday, there are four 25-lap heat races. The top four qualifying cars are on the pole for the four heat races. And then the top four finishers from each race automatically qualify with the winners of the first two heats on the pole. That's yeah, really that gives us six, how it does. That gives us 16 spots. And what they'll do is they'll take all the qualifying times and then one group will be one, five, nine. So every fourth uh, thingy through 33. And then in the other one will be two, six, 10, et cetera, in the four different races. Um, yeah, that's a lot of stuff going on. <laughs> it, it almost makes me uh, look back to last year and maybe for this one, they should have just did no practice and qualify. <laughs> but, uh, and so then, so then you have the remaining unqualified cars. They'll be in two separate 50 lap last chance qualifying races and so we won't get up to get into how that's broken up but the top three finishers each qualify or any the top three finishers in each race qualify that gives us 22 positions and then the final spot will go to the person who finished highest in the 2021 standings yeah that surprised me there's no fan vote like why not a 24th car they always want to have fan votes um i the one thing i find out is you have so many cars in the heat races just nine but then you throw 23 cars in the last one. And like when they first said they're going to race at the Coliseum, I was like, that's an awful lot of cars. I yeah. think, and I thought the number would be between 15 and 20 is what you'd want to have. 23 cars seems like an awful lot for that short of a, It'll like I'm it. thinking of my like homecoming football at my high school, they would drive around a track the size of the track now. And like, the 10 cars they had for that <laughs> was almost like half the track. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see how easy it is for these guys to pass. Yeah. Cause there's not a lot of, you know, straight away, so to speak. So it'd just be interesting. Cause it's not, you know, there's not going to be a lot of room on the track to go around and there's yeah. not going to be a lot of room to make up for it. So it'd be interesting. Uh, they're, they're slowly rolling out grand marshals. I heard today, Jim Abbott, I don't know if you know who Jim Abbott is. Nope. Famous one arm pitcher, pitcher for the California. Angels, oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, threw a no hitter with one arm. Also, Eric Dickerson. And I thought, great idea, have him uh, drive the pace car 
in his famous gold Trans Am that he got yeah. uh, in high school. I thought that would be cool, but I don't think they'll do that. And then um, I also saw where Ice Cube, I believe, is performing. So that'll be exciting. Yeah. Pitbull, I mean, Pitbull is performing a 45-minute concert. That's presented by Coca-Cola prior to the race. And then Ice Cube will perform during the race break. Okay, yeah, because there's a break between the... Uh, yeah. So is that between the heat races and the big race? I believe so. Okay. And then they're I'll also going to that. have... That's, like, uh, that's probably better than the NFL halftime show. And then they're going to have world-renowned uh, DJ Ski. I've never heard of him, so he can't be that world-renowned uh he's gonna be performing during caution breaks so they're gonna have a live dj performing during caution breaks whoa it's gonna be like bluebell part yeah so that'd be pretty cool for uh the fans that are there but when we look at this there's really no history to go off of for a race like this um but at previous clashes kevin harvick and denny hamlin have won three apiece kyle bush has won two dale earnhardt has the most clash wins of all time with six but none of that really means anything. Yeah, uh, not much research could be done on this one. As a, uh, as I said, I like looked in the Arca and uh, Wheel and Modified just to see who ran best at the shortest tracks. Um, so what are your thoughts? I'm, I'm seeing a lot of people like, oh, Mickey Mouse this, Mickey Mouse that. What are your thoughts? And then I'll get into my thoughts. So I, kind of, I like the idea that NASCAR is trying to do different things like we saw last year with the dirt race at bristol just kind of switching it up and like if it doesn't stick it doesn't stick my biggest worry is this is a brand new car at a really really short track so i really hope they don't damage the cars too much yeah i mean that's my biggest thing for the teams too because i know that they can't be having too many cars uh with the new next gen so that's my biggest worry i think it could be entertaining like an all-star race ish type so I'm cautiously optimistic because I thought the dirt race was pretty cool. And so just seeing something completely different will be interesting to see. Well, my, I mean, my main thought of it is in past years, I'm going to be honest, like we proved we're pretty big NASCAR fans. How many races we watched last year? 80 total, yeah. I think between the three things like to me, I can't recall watching the bud clash. Yeah. I remember because uh, didn't uh, Kyle Bush and Chase Elliott get into it because they did the Daytona Road Course, right? The road. I don't remember. And then I, I thought I thought Elliott and Bush got into it on like the last lap, like the last little like chicane thing, before going to the final lap, and I think Blaney won. Yeah, I because I to me like every year when I get the schedule, like Daytona's it. Daytona's the yeah and you i'm committing the 36 weeks after that like 36 <laughs> on the next 42 weeks do i really need to watch this race that doesn't i can't tell you if i've seen i probably have it's probably been on the tv at a bar but i haven't said oh my gosh nascar yeah. starts this week let me watch this and now i'm like this is pretty cool i want to see this yeah because i think you just get so used to the clash always being at uh daytona and just kind of like you know they're there for two weeks usually so i kind of like that it's different and i think it's a completely made for tv event like fox is all behind this they've been promoting it forever i've seen it during the playoff uh games of the nfl so i think that's good yeah but i'm just i'm just really hoping the execution's done well and there's yeah. not a lot like 
DJ Ski may be pretty good, but I don't want to listen to him because I hope there's not a lot of caution breaks. Yeah. Am I, and I, they're still doing the, I think they're still doing the shootout, which is the other thing they do at Daytona. Yeah. So I, I like this. As I said, I, uh, I don't recall watching a, like actively going to pursue watching a Bush clash. And the one thing that worries me is every cool thing they've tried to do last year it rained so is yeah. it gonna rain this week Got i think that's why they did it at the in la it like never rains there right yeah but that's um, that's like the other thing too is like it's la like is that really where a lot of nascar fans are well i the thing i found weird like i think i said it when they released the schedule they're in la and then they go to daytona and then they go right back to do they go to phoenix i think they go oh, out west. I'll look it up. And I strut like you're in money saving mode, but you're going LA to Daytona back to not that everyone, I don't know. Yeah, they got so they have the they're in LA, then they have February 17th is the duels at Daytona, followed by the race on the 20th, and then they go to Fontana the 27th yeah so they're they back stay. to california even not even yeah and then yeah. they stay out west for um las vegas and then phoenix and then they're not back on the east coast till march 20th yeah so who do you have winning like i wish we could see i sort of wish this is one where we didn't have qualifying because it'd be neat to break down each of the heat races but yeah. we don't know who's qualifying and who's not so who's your winner <laughs> uh i don't i've i'm probably gonna go with kevin harvick just because i know he's pretty good on the short tracks but again we have no data to back any of this stuff up with yeah and i'm gonna go with ryan priest i mean to me the smart money's probably on kyle larson because he wins in everything but uh nobody's driven this new car at this quarter mile track and most haven't driven a quarter mile in years and uh i just think that Priest has most recently run well in the modifieds on a third mile, which is the closest you're going to get to a quarter mile. So I'm going Ryan Priest as the shocker in Ooh. the uh, in the wear racing car number fifteen. I think he's in. It's a bold little strategy there. Yeah, you know, but I like it. And then uh, paint schemes. Uh, so first, before we get into it, this will be the first race where we have talked about it before, but they moved the number up. Uh, right behind and no one has died from it yet (laughs) so but it's the numbers right behind um the wheel uh on the front side and then you got a lot of room for the sponsor i think it looks really good but there's a caveat um to that i think some look really good and we're in agreement but it's only when the sponsor has a logo to put there so like i'm looking at all of them like the danny hamlin fedex looks really good just because the fedex is right there uh, in the middle but then there's some like the 16 car is the chevyliners.com well it just has 16 and then it's just blank because yep. they can't fit chevyliners.com in there but then it's up top but they don't have a logo so then yeah. there's some that look like okay there's a lot of empty space i thought the cow bush one the cow bush one's cluttered you have the 18 but then it blends in with the m on the m and m's i don't yeah but then the chase elliott hooters one looked pretty cool yeah 
And then, uh, but that's, he's not racing that. This isn't the, we're not picking our paint schemes right now. He's not in that one. He's in the Napa. Yeah. But then like, it's also really weird to see Kurt Busch in the number 45 car. It's still the same, like Matt Black monster energy, but it's just weird seeing 45 instead of number It's not like football where you can buy your number with a case of beer from (laughs) another guy on your team. But uh, my favorite one is uh, Kevin Harvick. He's in the Bush Light uh, Ford. Uh, got a can of Bush Light. Got some uh, some mountains in the back, but it's not Coors Light. But uh, then it's got the Bush. Yeah, it looks pretty sharp. They want one of the cars that did good with the new uh, numbers up front. I'm going with one that just. I mean, they just announced this on Tuesday. Uh, and they never got this scheme, the NASCAR, to put on their paint scheme thingy. Um, but luckily, I do some deep dive research, so I was able to find Ross Chastain coming out in the uh, uh, number one car for Trackhouse, and they just signed a deal with uh, Dana White from the U- UFC, and they are uh, going to be driving in the Hollerhead Whiskey car. Uh, kentucky straight oh, yeah. uh bourbon whiskey which is uh owned by dana white and the car looks pretty sharp it's orange and uh yellow yeah that looks pretty sweet kentucky banana bourbon yeah i don't know that i would drink it you like would. we're not going to be begging them for this stuff like <laughs> Paul well, whiskey. if they send it to me for free i would oh yeah uh, sorry um dana yeah <laughs> If you need someone to get in the cage with uh, Joe Rogan, Evan's been working out. And, <laughs> and I'll wear some uh, Haller head shorts. <laughs> so that will uh, do it for our clash preview. Again, the race, the feature race is on Sunday at 6 p.m. Eastern. It'll be on Fox, uh, but there's racing all day Saturday. And then uh, even before the feature race on Sunday at 3 p.m. So it should be a fun filled weekend um, with NASCAR. We'll be back, probably take a week off. And no, we'll... I think next week we're going to do uh, a preview. You probably want to do a season Thursday. preview and then... Yeah, the season next preview week. next Thursday, then Daytona preview the following Thursday. All right, let's do it. So we are back in full swing uh, for season two of everybody's favorite NASCAR podcast, the Loose Lugnuts podcast for Thomas Dick. I'm Evan Roberts. We'll see you next week where we will preview uh, the upcoming season, give you predictions and uh, break down some news because we know there'll be some. You got that Harry Hyde music to drop in now? Oh, yeah. Sung by uh, Bobby Hillen Jr. Enjoy. I grew up in Texas where football was my game Until that racing fever started burning in my brain Started running many stops when I was 13 And won a short track championship when I was just 16 I met a man named Harry Hyde and he built a car for me. Sponsored by Granddaddy Hillen's Drilling Company. We ran in five Grand Nationals when I was 17. My Talladega finish was the start of my big dream. Thank you for the ride, Harry Hyde. And I'm glad I had Granddaddy on my side. Thank you for the ride, Harry Hyde. Now some may 
say that lady luck has given me the brakes. I must admit she smiled a bit, but it's me that runs the race. Now you can't be a champion due to luck or circumstance. I'll do the best I can for those who've given me the chance. Thank you for the ride, Harry High. And now I've got stuff over. Bye. 